Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, an Espionation blog about your Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host, PD, and I'm joined this week by Eric Seeds. Welcome back to the pod. How's it going? How's it going? I am trying to stay dry. How are you doing? <laughs> same, same, both uh, literally and figuratively. Um, but I guess this uh, glass of beer is uh, ruining the uh, figurative part. Anyway, so the week that we've talked about seemingly all calendar year is here. It is finally Kent Johnson week. The Michigan Wolverines were eliminated from the postseason on Thursday on Friday. The number five overall pick from last summer's draft signed his entry level contract with the Columbus blue jackets, got to meet the team on Saturday in Detroit on Monday morning. He had his first practice with the team. He practiced on a line with Justin Danforth at center and Oliver Bjorkstrand on the right wing. Johnson was there on the left wing, uh, which is the spot that he's played all season in Michigan. So, uh, Seeds, do you think that Johnson will score five goals in his debut or just a hat trick? Well, they've scored hat tricks in every Blue Jackets game he's attended, so naturally that's going to happen Wednesday night. Um, We straight up bought tickets, like we're going, yeah, because... There's not much, there hasn't been much to look forward to this year, especially late here down the stretch, but seeing Ken Johnson is something I've wanted to do all year. I've been hopeful we would get a chance to see him here in Columbus. Ideally, I would have liked just, you don't ever like to see Michigan win, but I would have liked to have seen (laughs) him win the national title. That would have been cool. I think he's going to be great. I, I obviously has a slight frame. I'm really interested to see how he kind of handles the bigger NHL bodies, but the right. kids got the offensive prowess to do it. Um, I really hope they just take these next nine, ten games, whatever we've got left here, and just let him play. Let him play through mistakes. Give him top six minutes because not like we're playing for anything. Uh, the ne- our next loss eliminates us or a Washington win. So might as well just give him time. I hope they play him all throughout the lineup. Play him with Bjorkstrand. Like that's going to be a good. Um, introduction into the lineup i think because right. bjorkstrand's fairly solid defensively mm-hmm. um i'd like to see him at least get some time with patrick line because i just want to see how that works because uh johnson's obviously a very good playmaker he rang up uh nearly an assist a game this year at michigan 
And I'd like to see what he can do with a, a finisher like Line A opposite him. Um, hopefully he gets power play time. Obviously yeah. he's not going to get any time on the kill, but um, yeah, just let, let's see it. And uh, let's let's just see what Ken Johnson happens. Uh, it's very fortuitous that I wrote that article Friday morning. And I was <laughs> yep. like, uh, yeah, Ken Johnson watches on. And then six hours later, he signs a contract. Well, it's perfect. Yeah. We, we, so we had, we had the post ready to go, ready to talk about it. It had like, 80 comments by the end of the day. Like it was again, that the most exciting news we've had in right. blue jackets land, certainly in the calendar year, 2022, I would say. So um, it's something we've been looking forward to all year. Um, a massively skilled player to add to the lineup, you know, arguably one of the most skilled players we've drafted since Nash or maybe more recently Voracek. But yeah, he's he's very he's a very naturally talented playmaker. He didn't put up any points in their postseason in their uh, Frozen Four loss to Denver. Going obviously put up no points was a minus one in that game. Uh, I'll be totally honest. We were in Nationwide Arena Thursday <laughs> night and I spent most of the time in that game watching the Frozen Four game instead. Well, it sounds like that was a much more entertaining game than the one we were at. So C- certainly. but. Uh, I just wanted to see what they would do, and, it, and Denver was real. Denver was really good about shutting down the Michigan power line uh, mm-hmm. with Beniers and Johnson on it. But I think Johnson, he has his vision is so good, and his passing ability from what I from what I've watched of him at Michigan this year has been outstanding. He's very a very capable playmaker, very talented playmaker. You might have noticed in the video uh, mm-hmm. or in the post I uh, put up on Friday that he. Uh, attempted a Michigan goal this year, didn't yep. didn't put it in, but the fact that he's even willing to attempt it when those are kind of becoming more in vogue uh, in the NHL is pretty cool because I don't know, maybe pa- outside of maybe Patrick Line, if we have anyone on the roster who could pl- plausibly try and pull it off. It's, it's where he's like the closest we have to someone as skilled with the puck as a Trevor Zegers, for example. Um, yeah. And, and I think even he's, he's a guy that when I've watched him and even when he hasn't been putting up the points – he still has a positive impact on the play in the offensive zone. I was watching their quarterfinal game against Quinnipiac and there was a power play goal that they scored. That was kind of an insurance goal. And if there was such a thing as a third assist, then Johnson would have gotten it because there was a very crisp set of passes that he started. He's a great passer. And I, you know, I mentioned Voracek and I'm thinking that, if fans want to know what to expect, I see him as being a very Voracek style playmaker. That he's a guy that actually will be producing a lot more assists than goals. But considering that we have shooters on the team, you know, we don't have a lot of guys that are great passers. So if we have, you know, Voracek on the right side and Line A on the left on one line, and then you have, you know, Johnson on the left and then maybe a, a Bjorkstrand or a Chinikov on the right, you know, that gives you that kind of passer and shooter combination on multiple lines, which I think is really, and elite passers, elite shooters, that kind of thing. Now I do think that he can be a better finisher than Voracek, who obviously hasn't scored a lot of goals himself this year. Um, although he has some you know 20 goal seasons in his past. I think Johnson has a better shot than Voracek does. Mm-hmm. I also have noticed that a lot of Johnson's highlights are, goals that happen right around the crease. He's very good at those net front goals in college. 
Um, and so certainly, you know, here with, you know, our power play has struggled, I would say back to when Boone Jenner left the lineup. And so I, I would say put Johnson in Jenner's spot, leave the rest of the power play unit the same, put Johnson there. Now I am worried again, he's so skinny that if he's parking in front of the net, he's going to get beat up a lot. Um, but if you can hang at that, I think he could score a lot of goals from that position or at the bumper. Um, I don't know. Did you see the article that I shared that uh, Jack Hahn had written about yeah. how Johnson has been able to play all five positions on the power play at Michigan. And that's yeah. really exciting to see that kind of versatility that it has whereas in positions where he can be a passer, like at the point or where he's shooting on either of either of the dots. Uh, that's really exciting. And he's a very creative player. He's a very willing playmaker and he's, he's not afraid to move. And that's honestly for years has been my biggest complaint with our power plays guys just stand there. Like you were, you, you, you know, the game against Philly, um, when we got a couple power play chances or when the game was still in the balance, guys were just standing and you could tell the crowd was like getting antsy. Yeah. Like, like what are you doing? But it's just guys standing there. You're never going to, it's like the cardinal rule of hockey is that you're never going to be faster than the puck. So you got, you got to move around to get guys out of position to exactly to open up shooting lanes. And Johnson is the type of passer and playmaker who's willing to do that. And his, his versatility to play those five positions on the power play is something that will uh, kind of maybe unlock something that the, that the team is missing on special teams right now. Um, obviously, you've got guys like Warinsky who can move. Uh, Patrick Laine, his his passing has noticeably improved here, or it's been far more noticeable the second half of the season. Um, and then throw Johnson and Vorchek out there, and, so, and you're cooking with something here. You know, yeah. you, you've got you've got the makings of a real like power play unit here. They just need to you know put a little more into action and move around and kind of give their, put yourself in the best uh, put yourself in better positions to take advantage of those opportunities. I think I think Johnson, you know, I don't have high expectations for the next ten games. I don't think he's going right. to score. You know. I don't think he's going to put up a point a game or anything, but I want him to just come in, look like he belongs, show an ability to uh, make some passes, be willing to contribute, be willing to, you know, look, look like he kind of belongs, and then go hit the weight room with Jake Bean and Adam Boquist this offseason. That's, that's kind of my entire goal for him. Yeah, he definitely needs to get stronger this summer. Um, and again, he's still what 19 years old turning 20 in the fall mm-hmm. like there's still plenty of time for his his body to develop um but i do think that getting nine games in is really valuable um because it's just a taste of it it's games with low stakes um and, and a good mix of opponents too because there are um you know we're playing the Oilers are playing the Kings. We end with two games against Tampa and a game against mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. So those are playoff bound teams. But then there's also games against the Ducks, the Sharks, the Senators, um, the Canadians. Obviously, this week. And he's going to see. And he's going to see different styles too. You know, the Kings play a heavy game. Always have. The Oilers are very up and down the ice. Tampa is. Uh, Obviously, very talented, but they can play a heavy game. Pittsburgh, he's going to get a taste of uh, what it's like to see those guys. Although they might not have Evgeny Malkin for yeah. that matchup, but uh, it also it'll be the last game of the season too. So Pittsburgh could be resting a lot of guys anyway if their position is locked in. Um, you know, and, and one thing I, I 
a trait that I really love about him and from talking to Jack Hahn about him, because first of all, Ken Johnson is a subscriber to Jack Hahn's newsletter. He's a client of Jack Hahn. He's had coaching sessions with him. Um, Jack said that he was a hockey nerd. So it sounds like he's a sponge that just loves learning about the game and that like Jack could show him in, in the power play post. He talked about how he showed him footage of Kucherov on the power play. And then between from last year to this season, he, you know, Johnson improved a shot from a certain spot on the ice. And it's because he watched the clips of Kucherov and was able to then mimic what Kucherov does. And I, I love that idea of a player who has the skills, but is able to watch what other great players do and incorporate that into his game. And that's why I'm excited about the fact of like, wow, so he can he can get to face McDavid and Dreisaitl? And what might he learn from actually being on the ice with them as opposed to just watching video clips? You know, will he pick up anything that way? I like the idea of him now being teammates for two more years with Jake Voracek. If he's going to be a similar type of player, there's so much you can learn just from practicing with Voracek every day. Um, that is that is really exciting to me, I think. Um, so I'm excited to see how his game can grow and what he does in these nine games. It's just the foundation of then of going forward. Um, one last question about him I wanted to touch upon. Um, he's played wing for the last two years at Michigan. He played wing on the Canadian Olympic team. He played center, though, growing up. The Jackets view him as a center. He views himself as a center. Long-term here in the NHL, do you see him as a center or a wing? He's obviously going to start at wing. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad Larson confirmed that uh, after practice today he's going to start at wing. I, I think I'd give him maybe against like San Jose or Anaheim, one of our lesser opponents coming up. I'd give him a game at center just to yeah. see, like, like, hey, kid, this is what center in the NHL looks like. You're going to struggle. It's your first experience, but I want to show you what it's like. That way, given him being a hockey nerd. He'll have the experience. He'll know what kind of to focus on and what to look for. You know, watching film, working on his game this off season. I hope he can develop into a center because if he can, um, the centers of the future with him and Cole Sillinger down the middle, that'd be real. That'd be real, real nice. Um, I'm not sure he can do it, but uh, but he's so young and he's been he's played center as a kid. He didn't play center at Michigan because they had Matty Beniers on the roster. If if Matty Beniers wasn't there, he would have played center on that hockey team. Um, Michigan was just loaded top. To, that Michigan team might, on paper, be one of the best hockey teams ever assembled in college hockey. Yeah. Um, I think he can develop into a center. He just isn't there right now. Um, he's not quite as ready. He hasn't played it as much at his amateur level as Cole, someone like Cole Sillinger had. Right. Now, we had questions about whether Cole Sillinger would even stick in the NHL this year, and he's been admirable. Um for an 18 for the youngest player in the NHL playing center most of the season, he's been really good. Um, I think there's a chance Johnson can still develop there. Obviously it's going to take a lot of work, um, a lot of personal development, but I'm not going to write the kid off. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with Larson that to get him into the NHL, get his feet wet, that it's better to keep him at wing. There's just a lot less pressure there. He can just play his game. He can be sheltered more. Um, but I do agree with you that it would be nice at some point this season 
And even if not for a whole game, but even just certain shifts, like, oh, here, go out and take the face off and do that sort of thing. You know, just to give them a give them Right. A hey, hey we've, hey, we've got an offensive zone start following and icing. Yeah, go out there with Patrick Laine and Jake Vorchek and just see what happens. But, you know, it's just such a difficult position to play. And um, and he hasn't played it in very long. And I don't I don't put a lot of stake in, oh, well, this guy played, you know, played center as a teenager because like, well, yeah, because he was probably the best player by a big margin on every team he was on. So, of course, the best player is going to be playing center. But that doesn't mean that he is right for the position at the NHL level. I mean, we saw like, you know, Boone Jenner came up through juniors as a center as well, but played mostly wing in the NHL and appeared to be a better fit there than at center. So I, I think that's more of a thing, like work on that in the summer, you know, just like Jack Rosovic put in more work at the position over the summer. Um, just, just, just sit him down and give him a uh, clockwork orange style. Just make him watch Patrice Berger on tape for hours on end. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, and, and do, you know, like Rosovic did do the, put in the work with Mark Latestu, you know, mm-hmm. to show the, the, you know, the finer points of, you know, winning faceoffs and, the defensive side of the game, which, you know, I, I didn't pay much attention to how he was defensively. Uh, it be interesting to see how that side of his game develops, because if he can become a 200 foot player as well, um, you know, that can make him truly elite. Um, whereas a guy like Cole Sillinger, it was a guy that had truly played center all of his career and was still, you know, was actively in that position when he made the So he didn't have to readjust to playing the position at the NHL level. And even a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois, who had adjusted in juniors, but only had like a year and a half playing center, he started at wing with the Jackets just to get his feet wet. And then after a month, they can move him to center, and then he was able to succeed. So I think, again, we'll need sort of a month's worth of NHL games before Johnson might be fully ready. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, regardless, I'm really excited to have him here. Absolutely. All right, when we come back, we will talk about the playoff races. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So the Jackets are most likely not going to the playoffs. They'll be eliminated this week, most likely. But uh, for those of you who like to follow the rest of the NHL, uh, 
Uh, or if you don't, I highly recommend it because there are a lot of very exciting races as we come down to the end here. Um, first, I'm going to start in the East. Now, the Eastern Conference playoff field, I feel like, has been set for a long time now, but there is still some jockeying for position here. Um, first, for the number one seed, uh, Florida has 108 points. Carolina has 102. Um, Carol- Florida also has a game in hand. Do you see the Hurricanes catching the Panthers there, or do you think the Panthers have number one locked up? I want to bear with me just a minute here. Um, long story short, no. I do not see Carolina catching Florida. Um, Carolina has been very good this year. Florida has been absolutely incredible. And Florida pretty much has no hope of winning the President's Trophy, which is just shocking to me. <laughs> um, we'll, get, we'll get to why here in a, in a, in a couple minutes, yeah. but I think the Panthers are legitimately terrifying as a team like um for those of you who may not have watched last week the panthers played the toronto maple leaves in what is probably the single best hockey game i've watched all year toronto score or or florida scored the opening goal went up one nothing toronto scored five unanswered and i'm thinking to myself boy toronto probably needs the next goal to feel good about this (laughs) um florida scored five unanswered themselves before eventually winning in overtime against the leafs um Florida's a wagon, man. And they're doing it despite getting like 890 goaltending from Sergei Bobrovsky since like November 1st. It's outrageous how good their offense is. Jonathan uh, Huberto broke the uh, assist record for left wingers in a single season all time in the NHL. He mm-hmm. uh, has set career highs and goals assists. Uh, Sasha Barkov has kind of like been forgotten on his own team because of the outstanding season Huberto is having. Florida's real good. They're real fun to watch. Um, I think they're going to comfortably win the East and get the uh, draw really the only comfortable matchup in the playoffs, which is weird to say about a 90-point team, but uh, I think most teams in the East would prefer to play Washington. I think that's what Florida's going to get to. The crazy thing is, I'm looking at Micah Blake McCurdy's projections mm-hmm. and he has every single Eastern playoff team with a hundred points. Yeah. I saw someone else tweet that, that like it's, it's more likely than not that every Eastern playoff team has a hundred points this year. That is so insane. That is such a difficult top heavy conference. And again, and, and Washington is, yeah, I, I agree that they're like a flawed team, but they're still going to end up with a hundred points. That is nuts. And yeah, I, I think, I think that Florida would, would be able to, dispatch them pretty easily. Although again, when you have a guy like Ovechkin, like it's not going to be, you know, they can always surprise you with a player like that, but I think there's just too many question marks there. Um, Now also in the Atlantic uh, you have Toronto, Tampa and Boston. Um, Now Toronto is actually starting to pull away. They've got a four point lead on Tampa for the second spot. Uh, Do you think the Leafs are going to hold on to number two? I think the Leafs are going to hang on to number two. I don't. I do not think Tampa's going to hang on to number three. I think Ooh. Tampa has really wavered of late. Um, yeah, they've been they've been kind of in a swoon. They've they've been dealing with some injuries. I believe Braden Point's been out for a while. Um, I haven't really been getting the timely score. Like Andre Pilat just scored his first goal in like twenty eight games last mm-hmm. night. Uh, they've just been they've just been getting kind of a funk uh, of late and. Boston, who we all kind of were like, oh, they'll they'll just be an eight seed in the playoffs in like December. 
they're only one point back of the Leafs, and they are on an absolute heater. Patrice Bergeron is going to win the Selkie this year because yeah, he's having yet another so. incredible season. Yeah. Um, so I, I legitimately think we're going to see uh, Florida win the division, and then we're going to get Toronto-Boston in game one in uh, the first round again, which is going to just uh, murder the, the city of Toronto. Because I, I am very afraid of Boston in the postseason because I feel like Boston plays a style of hockey that is like the perfect style for postseason hockey because they are such an aggressive team and such a physical team. And obviously they have, you know, the skill up front, they can still score with anyone, but they, um, they hit hard and that's going to, that's tough for a skilled team to adjust to. I mean, just look, look at the way that, you know, Columbus was able to foil Toronto a few years back and Boston is a better version of that style that Columbus played. And Jeremy Swayman is playing great in goal. Uh, which, you know, a hot goalie can take you very far. And I don't really trust the Leafs goaltending situation. I, I think you have a few too many words there. <laughs> <laughs> you can just say, I don't, you can just leave it at, I don't trust the Leafs and I think you're okay. No, I think, I think the Eastern playoffs, at least in the Atlantic, like it's going to be really good because um, yeah, if we do get Toronto, Boston, that's going to be incredible. If we do get Toronto, uh, Tampa, that's going to be really good too. Um Tampa or Tampa, Toronto is a very talented team. Uh, we've probably gone too long in this discussion without mentioning his name. Austin Matthews is having the Amazing. single greatest offensive season a Leaf has ever had. He just recently scored fifty-one goals in his last fifty games, which is bonkers. Yeah, Absolutely um, bonkers. He, he's going to win the heart this year, deservedly so. Um, that's out. That's outrageous that he is doing what he's doing. Um, yeah, I'm very excited to see what uh what happens in what happens in the Atlantic. So, if what you're saying holds true, that means that we would have a Toronto Boston series, but then we would also have a Carolina Tampa series. Both of those in the first round. Yeah, it'd be fun, That's, wouldn't it? The hockey these playoffs are all are cool. like Eastern Conference final level series, and and also then the other one in the Metro would be uh, Pittsburgh New York. Yeah, and those teams, those teams very clearly do not like each other. Oh man, this would, the Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be so exciting. Aside from Florida, Washington, which, which could be the dub, but the other three could be. I mean, I, yeah. you would pencil all those in as a seven game series, right? Right. Yeah, and, and we're and the only series we're saying is a dud features um, one of the top offenses in the league against the greatest goal scorer of all time. Yeah, go, go figure, right? I mean, if the, the the Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be incredible this year. I'm really excited. Like, I, I cannot stress enough how much I really hope fans do tune in to, as like as Blue Jackets fans tune tune into mm-hmm. uh, playoff games this year just to watch like what the Blue Jackets with with the talent that they're accumulating in the last few drafts and the next few drafts coming. Like, the Blue Jackets could become one of these teams that has all of this talent and yeah. can compete with these big guys. Like this is going to be really fun. You know, based on the way things are going, like I think they're going to expect to be contending for a playoff spot next year to at least be in the race at this point next year. Uh, and some of these teams, you know, as good as some of these teams, in the East are some of them will be due to fall back either due to age or injury or that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it's not, it's not impossible, but yeah, it, it shows you the level though, that we'll, we'll need to get to um, now in the West. Uh, so the team that I know you want to talk about, Colorado, uh, Micah has them on pace for 121.4 points. And this, it, what's crazy about that is they were pretty average at best for the first two months of the season. The Jackets swept them in November. They were obviously had some injuries, but they didn't 
look great. So they've just been so hot since then to make up for that. Now, I had some concerns about Darcy Kemper. Now, I like Darcy Kemper as a Coyotes goaltender. I wasn't sure if he was a good enough goalie to carry Colorado to the Cup. Do you have more faith in him than I do? Yeah, um, I do. Uh, I've watched for I've watched a lot of Colorado this year, as can probably be expected. Um, the Avalanche. The other key about the uh, the Colorado Avalanche is they haven't really been healthy this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the uh, Gabriel Landeskog is currently out and expected to be back maybe by round two. Uh, Nazem Kadri's missed a bunch of time. He's expected to be back by round one. He started skating last couple days. Um, they've missed Rantanen for time. They've missed Nathan McKinnon for 25, 25-ish games. And they're still on a 121-point pace. I, this team is absolutely incredible. Added Arturi Lekanen and Andrew, mm-hmm. Andrew Cogliano at the deadline. Just as, like, depth pieces. Um, but they've they've made a really solid third line, comparable to what we saw in Tampa for those uh, two cup runs. But Darcy Kemper has been on an absolute heater last few months here. Uh you, you mentioned that the Avalanche started slowly. It was in uh, Sean McIndoo's article on The Athletic the other day. His first two months, he had a 904 and a 901 save percentage. Mm-hmm. Since December 1st, uh, these are his save percentages by month. December 922, January 928, February 938, March 940, April 948. If uh, if Darcy Kemper does that, Colorado's going like 18-2 and two in the playoffs, or 16-2 and two in the playoffs of winning the Stanley Cup. That's absurd. Um, they also have uh, one of the best young defensemen in the game in Kale McCarr, who's on pace for 30 goals right now. They've got uh, his playing partner, Devontae, is one of the best shutdown defensemen in the league. Uh, they recently just got back from injury Bowen Byram, one of the best young defensemen in the league, who's been struggling with concussion injuries. Fingers crossed he stays healthy um, because he's really talented. He's only someone to suffer uh, post-concussion uh, symptoms for long, and he's missed something like 60 games as a result. Uh, the Avalanche are a wagon. Yeah, they, they had a Josh Manson on defense at the deadline, which I really liked that pickup. Yeah, and okay, for Blue Jackets fans, this is how good Colorado is. They've made ancient Jack Johnson look <laughs> serviceable on defense. Like, you, like you, they they play Jack Johnson on a nightly basis, and you're like, yeah, it seems fine. Um, it's absolutely incredible what the Avalanche are doing out west. They are scary. They are legitimately terrifying. So let me throw one possible wrench into that, though. There is a possibility that the eight seed that they face is a healthy Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, it that would certainly be something. Um, I am, as, as someone who holds uh, like half the Vegas Golden Knights roster on my uh, fantasy playoff team, <laughs> I would like to see the Golden. I'm not kidding. I've got. Pacioretty, Stone, Eichel, and Chandler Stevenson. Um, I do really, uh, it'd be fun to see. I'm not sure if Vegas is going to make it just because they are so banged up. They just got Pacioretty back. Stone is still out. Um, and to my knowledge, he hasn't even started skating yet. Like, um, Vegas is, they won five straight before getting obliterated by Vancouver the other night. Um, I missed how they did on the weekend, but they're, yeah, they're 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 seven and three in their last ten, so they're 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 heating up. Yeah, and they're they're really scary. Jack Eichel looks really good. Um, Robin Lehner's back from injury. The the Vegas Vegas's big problem this year 
has been they've just missed all of their big guns to injury. Uh, obviously, they didn't get Eichel until nearly the trade deadline. Um, Mark Stone's uh, missed a lot of time. Uh, Pacioretty's been in, on and off LTIR this year. Um, Robin Leonard was on IR for a long time. It's uh, it's tough out there in Vegas, but if they get healthy, they we saw last year Colorado was really good, and Vegas uh, knocked them out in six games because they just played a grinding physical style that Colorado wasn't equipped for. Um, that'd be an, that'd be a really interesting matchup. And again, it's kind of unfair then that that could be the first round matchup because that seems way too yeah. soon for Colorado to have that right. test. Now, right. it's, it's like an NBA comparison. It'd be like you know Boston getting uh, the Brooklyn Nets in round one. It's like that's yeah. that doesn't seem fair. <laughs> Uh, so I'm of two minds with Vegas on one hand. I know there are people who would enjoy seeing Vegas, like spend all this money, make all these moves and fall short of the playoffs because, you know, they've had such a charmed existence that for them to struggle and miss the playoffs for the first time would be kind of funny. I totally get that. But on the flip side, as someone whose team won't be in the playoffs, my interest is in seeing the best possible teams make it and see the best possible matchups every round along the way. And given that Vegas could be fully healthy for the playoffs, I want to see that roster in the playoffs because it would just be really fun to see. To see a Pacioretty, Stone, Eichel line, that would be that would be incredible. And see that go up against Kale Bacar, like try defending them, uh, that would be so cool. Yeah, so, yeah. That- and I am I am very much my girlfriend has a uh, thought of she her life goal is to see Vegas make the playoffs every year but never win the Stanley Cup because she thinks it'd be funnier than them missing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, I I have I, I know it's a very hot button issue in the NHL. Um, I have no issue with the LTIR stuff. I don't care. I want to see, I want to see good teams. I want to see teams do what they can to acquire stars and build the most talented teams uh, possible because talented teams are cool. And I really hope Columbus tries it someday. Like try, try and build one of these wagon juggernaut teams. It'd be awesome. And I think this year showed that there is a cost to using LTIR. You know, yeah, there's no year, guarantee you're going to make the playoffs. Like no, yeah. like there's no, like no team would willingly sit an MVP candidate, or at least they shouldn't. Like that's not great. Well, you know, and Tampa did without Kucherov all of last regular season because it was a shortened regular season, but they ended up with the third seed in the Central. So I mean, that cost them home ice for the first two rounds of the playoffs. That's not nothing. And then this year, yeah, Vegas is having to struggle to get to the postseason because so many players have been out. It allowed them to add Eichel but they haven't been able to play Eichel with these other guys. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's the system works the way that it's supposed to, and, and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we're, we're running out of time, but I want to hit, hit on some of the other matchups coming up. Um, it's looking like we will have St. Louis-Minnesota in the Central as the 2-3 matchup. Now, Minnesota, Minnesota, I feel like, is the better team, but it, got, it was pointed out to me today St. Louis has 38 regulation wins, which is really high compared to other teams in the league, and that is six more regulation wins than Minnesota. So are people sleeping on the Blues, maybe? Um, I will count myself in that because I didn't think the Blues had a chance in that series. Um, uh, Minnesota, I think 
I think this means more for Minnesota because they've got that big cap hit coming um, from the Suter and Preezy buyouts. Um, they have to do something this year. That's why they went out and got Flurry. It's why uh, they paid Kirill Kaprizov whatever he wanted. It's because this year is the year. Like they got to do something. I still think Minnesota is the better team um, by uh, by expected goals against. Um, Minnesota is second in the league in uh, fewest goal expected goals against. Uh, second only to Boston. Um, Minnesota's defense is really good. They've got a legitimate game breaker who can score a goal on any shift and win you the game, but I wouldn't count out the blues. Long story short, TLDR, I think that series is going seven games. Yeah. And I, I I do like Minnesota more. Uh, I like the flurry pickup and also, you know, Cam Talbot is, is, can be solid. Uh, Defensively, they're strong. Like Boston, they play that very physical style of hockey that I think is built for the playoffs. Um, now, obviously, St. Louis is familiar with that. I just don't feel like they are as much that as they used to be. St. Louis has some players that I really like. I like Tarasenko a lot. Jordan Kyrou's having a great season. I don't trust their goaltending, though, I think, and I don't trust their defense a lot either. So that, I think, could be their, their undoing. I know, I, know we've, I know we were talking about expected goals against for Minnesota. Do you know where St. Louis ranks in expected goals against at 5-on-5 five five this year? I was thinking not great, right? Here here are the teams below them. Montreal, Arizona, Columbus. That's it. Oh. Oh, that 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 is rough. <laughs> you, so, you do not want to be in that category. <laughs> so um if it comes down to a defensive struggle like the NHL playoffs tend to, I think I'd lean toward Minnesota. Alright. So last question of LA. Nashville, Dallas, or Vegas? One of those teams is not going to make the playoffs. Which one do you think gets left out? Bear with me here. Let me get the standings page pulled back up here. Uh... And for everyone looking at home, at the time we're doing this, uh, Los Angeles has 86, Nashville has 87, Dallas has 86, and Los Angeles has uh, two more games played than those teams currently. I think I would... Okay, so here's the thing. Um, Vegas has a game in hand on L.A. and mm-hmm. would tie them if they win that game in hand. Gun to my head right now, I think I'm picking the Kings to miss the playoffs. Um, I think because I think Vegas, it's more plausible Vegas gets to third in the Pacific than it than they do to the wild card. Dallas has been so streaky this year, but right now they seem kind of ensconced in that second wildcard spot. I think Nashville is in no matter what, unless they just absolutely collapse or Roman Yossi gets hurt because Yossi's also having an incredible season this year. Yeah. I think it's going to come down to Vegas and LA. Those teams do not play before the end of the year. Um, But Vegas does play Calgary, Edmonton, Washington, Dallas, and St. Louis down the stretch. That's a really tough schedule. LA has, yeah, Colorado and yeah, that's about it as far as yeah. playoff-bound teams. Like Chicago, Columbus, Anaheim, Chicago again, Anaheim again, Seattle, Vancouver, yeah. So it should be easier. LA is not playing very well, but um, they do have an easier path in there. I, th- I think the talent of Vegas wins out, and I think LA misses the playoffs by like a point or on a tiebreaker or something like that. But I think, uh, yeah, I think that's what happens. Okay. I, think LA, I think LA is the uh, odd team out. Right. All right, so we will obviously have a lot more to talk about the playoffs once we get closer to that, once we have the matchups set. But 
Uh, it is a postseason that I'm really looking forward to. I'm excited to see what the new TV partners do with it. Uh, the games are going to be easier for casual fans to find. And I think there's going to be a lot of really exciting matchups, especially in the first two rounds. So for people that are not as familiar with playoff hockey and didn't see as much of it when it was on you know, NBCSN, uh, this will be the time for them to tune in and hopefully see some amazing games that can create some new hockey fans. Right. Watch, watch the teams that score a lot of goals. Watch the teams that are really up and down. It's a lot of fun. It's a great show to see all these talent. The NHL, for as bad as its marketing is, there, there are so many talented forwards in this league, and I hope you guys check them out. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, any final thoughts? Um, I just want to give a quick shout, uh, just a thought to Dwayne Haskins and his family. Um, yeah. Obviously, former Ohio State quarterback, tragically lost his life early Saturday morning. Um, my Obviously, my only knowledge or interaction of him was when he was at Ohio State and then drafted in the NFL, but... Uh, He's a he from all from all accounts. He was a great teammate, a great friend. Um, had a big heart. Uh, best wishes to his wife and his extended family, and to all affected by his loss. Yeah, he was um, that 2018 season at Ohio State. He was just tremendous the way that he threw the ball. Um, just took Ohio State's offense to a level it hadn't seen before. And really special player. And 24 years old. It's um, you know reminds me of Kip Lennox. It's just way too soon to lose a life like that. Um, on a happier note, my final thought is uh, shout out to Stephen Kwan, rookie outfielder for the Cleveland guardians who has gotten on base 15 times in his first four career games. No one has ever done that in major league history. Um, and in those, uh, hold on, let me pull up the stat here. He has had 19 plate appearances in the four games has swung the bat 26 times and has not missed the ball in any of those swings. No swing and miss in 19 plate appearances in four games. Uh, so he is going to be your rookie of the year and MVP winner this year and hopefully lead the Guardians to a World Series. So um, welcome back, baseball. I, I didn't realize how much I missed you until just now. <laughs> All right, so that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time. For more content from the Canon, go to jacketscanon.com. You can also follow The Canon on Facebook and on Twitter at CBJ Canon. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Go to AngelaPurley.com for more music and show dates.